probably will be on this subject in a couple weeks, at least maybe more. But uh, people of whom God is not ashamed. I don't know whether God gets ashamed of his people, but we certainly give him reason to. In the Hebrews 11th chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 16, God says here, But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. So, title of this study is People of Whom God is Not Ashamed. When we look here in the book of Hebrews and we go back to the 8th verse and uh, we see here by faith Abraham when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. I think that verse is so important because uh, I believe that when you're a servant of the Lord, you know, and uh, people say, well, I got this to do or I got to know more about it or whatever. I think that God's people, sometimes the Lord uh, puts us on the spot and we do what say people are to do and that is to follow him uh, as we go in life so in verse 9 he said by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he looked for a city which have foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. We see, and you can read all the way through verse 19, but... Uh, Children have within themselves the power to bring to their parents either the highest joy or the deepest heartbreak. And I believe it's the same way with God's children. We either bring glory to his name or we bring shame to his name. Jesus related the story of a father who had two sons, you know, and when he uh, asked to work in the vineyard, one son immediately, you know, voiced to rebellion with a haughty statement. And we can see that statement uh, in Matthew 21 of what took place. 
And uh, here in Matthew 21, verse 28, uh, we see what God says about that. You know, Matthew 21, verse 28, But what think ye, O certain man, that had two sons? And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second son that said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether the whether of them Quang did the will of his father, you know. One said they weren't and went, and one said he was and didn't. You know, that describes Christians today, even within the house of God, you know, we can plan, we can talk, and we can say this needs and somebody will say, I'll take care of that pastor. Then don't. Then the other one says, you know, I don't have time, but he rounds up finding time. And that is where we are in today's society. But when we look at the word of God and we study this portion of scripture, which is very, very uh, teachable, I guess I, I think to say it's, Exciting! It, it is to me exciting that if God has something planned for your life, you're going to do it whether you know about it now or not because God doesn't suffer defeat. But here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, you know, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. We are a type person, you know, I want to know what is expected of me and how long is it going to take and how much am I going to gain. You know, that's fine in the workplace, but uh, in the church service, in the work of the Lord, uh, we shouldn't say, you know. And that's what we are doing when we say, you know, we have service, we have Sunday school, but, you know, don't go over the time and we got preaching service and don't go over the time and, you know, but uh, I know even myself that I've got some sermons that I go back and listen to for a fact that I know I said and I couldn't remember it you know, it, it wasn't nothing for me to preach 45, 50 minutes, sometimes even an hour, and nobody said anything, you know, because that's what they was used to. But then things change. People, you know, as myself, we get older and we get sicker and we get weaker and and. And we sort of bend to that, and, and somebody asked me, Tom asked me that yesterday. I mean, uh, that man's in a terrible shape. 
I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, I don't understand it, but one day, you know, he can talk clearly and talk with some force, and the other day, man, he just out of it. But, you know, we get that shape, and, you know, not that he does it on purpose or not that you would do it on purpose, but, you know, we got to have a willing desire to serve God and that's what he tells us in verse 8 and 9 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive as for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, with Isaac and Jacob, the heir with him, with the same promise. You know, what we see in that scripture that to obey, God can use only people who are willing to be used. You know, uh, God knows whether Steve is able to, to be used. God knows whether I'm able to be used. And you know, and I've talked to people, talked to some of our church members over the years. And, you know, and I said, you know, uh, while you're young, we need to get active in the house of the Lord. But it's going to come a day if you and I both live, we're not going to be able to do the things that we did when we were 20, 21, or so forth. But, you know, uh, we need to realize that the more we do for the Lord, the more strength he'll give us to do. You know, and I, you know, I believe that. I believe I, I try to practice that. And when I, when people said, you know, I'm as old as you are, you know, and I can't do what you do. Well, you can't wait till you're 80, 90, 100 years old and expect, but we can still do as long as we got our mind, as long as we got health to walk and, and to be able to explain the gospel, we got a job to do. And this church and all the other churches, you know, I was telling James, he was here first and we were, we were talking, you know, about the attendance, you know, and most sound churches, little sound churches, the only churches that are growing is they're really not growing by, by people being saved. They're growing by going to this church because they have a better program. Or they, you know, but how many, how many people are being saved in the independent missionary Baptist churches and it should, shouldn't surprise you, very little. I mean, the rate is very little because God knows our heart, and we have got to show forth an effort, you know. We can say, I love God. It's like the many, many times I've been in a house, you know, where there's a marriage problem, and, and you know, and, you, you know, and the husband says, you know, I love her, you know, and I asked the wife, do you think he loves you? Well, he may, but he doesn't show it. 
That's the same thing that's happened in the church. People say, I'm saved. I love the Lord. But where's the action? You know, we have strength. We have ability. We have all the things to do when we want to do what we want to do. But you got to realize that God knows every second what I do. Not only that, he knows the attitude that I do it in. I think those things are important for us to know. Then you still make the decision. That's between you and God. But, you know, we need to know that. The literal language of the Bible indicates that Abraham went immediately. He went immediately. He didn't need any attractive travel folder, trusting you know, him, enticing him. He went because his faith was an obedient faith. And one thing that I wish I could get across, and I say that knowing I don't have that ability and no other man does, you know, that the more you serve the Lord with a whole heart, the more he'll bless every aspect of your life. I mean, I believe that. I can sit down with you one-on-one and show you Bible scripture after Bible scripture where that God blesses faithfulness. Faithfulness. So, He went because his faith was an obedient faith. You know, about all of us that was married and we got married and, you know, and now, you know, the last two, three weddings I've got, you know, it's all new how I approach it because the young ladies want to write it themselves and that's fine you know uh, but they leave out the important parts sometimes because you know I want to do it my way but your way may be right in your mind but is it right you know we got to think about those things. To leave security behind, Abraham, according to verse 9, he said, and by faith he sojourned into a land of promise as in a strange country. He didn't know where he was going. He hadn't been there before. But God said, go. He went. God said, shows you that something needs to be done, if you've got the ability, you do it. The journey begun by Abraham would encompass many years. He would travel from one place to another, dwelling in tents. You know, God tells us that in verse 9, by faith he sojourned into a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. 
For he looked for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You know, do we long, do we want to be able to say without doubt, absent from the body, present with the Lord? We read it, we say it, we hear it, but do our lives show that? You know, and... uh, that is that's something that we have got to do. We've got to answer those questions ourselves. But spiritually minded people, as we see in Hebrews 11 and verse 10, for he looked for a city which have foundations whose builder and maker is God. Is that what our goal is? Our goal is to be in that new Jerusalem, to be in that bride of Christ. We see that in verse 10. For he looked for a city which have foundation, whose builder and maker is God. So whatever it takes for me to be able to say, when I die, I'm going to that place. And I'm not a guest. I'm with him to accent Hebrews, a city was, you know, a symbol of a settled and secure condition. Those with me in the book of Psalms, just hold yourself there in uh, uh, Hebrews, we'll be back. But in Psalms 107, Psalms 107, And verse 7, God said, And he led them forth by the right way, and they mildly go to a city of habitation. There are not many ways to glory. There's not many ways to heaven. It's familiar because I talked to a gentleman yesterday, you know, That I'm, I'm pretty sure if I die, I would go to heaven. It's like saying I'm almost saved. You either sure you're going to heaven, and if there's doubt, then you're not sure. I don't know a lot of things. I don't understand a lot of things, but I know if God takes me home. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I know that. So we, you know, we do all this funeral stuff because of respect and love, you know, and so forth and so on. And and I'm not against that. But, you know, when the last breath is taken from my body, the next breath will be in glory. And, you know, I just can't believe that uh, God is going to uh, treat everybody the same because he didn't hear on earth. People said, where is that foreign scripture? Who was, who was God's favorite? Out of the apostles, who was God's favorite? 
You remember? Let's see. God wasn't any favoritism in being saved. We're all saved the same way. It's by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, it is like the parents having four or five kids, you know, and, and somebody said, well, you know, you shouldn't have any favorites. I do. Am I wrong? Why? Because Jesus loves us and responds to us by how we respond to him. He doesn't save Steve because he elected him and wrote his name in the book of life. If Brother Steve is saved, I believe he is. His name was written before this world was created. So that means everything is fine. You don't have to worry about it. No, I don't, I don't believe that now. I never have believed it at the judgment seat. God's going to give us rewards depending on what we did with what he showed us. That's, I never did work for union. Anybody work for a union? That's fine. A lot of people love unions. Wasn't from the unions, I wouldn't make what I was making. But I don't think that it is taking away the incentive for an individual. Think about it. Now let's apply that spiritually. If a man is saved, he's saved. And he's gone to glory. But never served the Lord. Prime example is the thief on the cross. I mean, where in the world can you prove by scripture that that Thief on the cross will be in the bride of Christ. It's impossibility because it's not there. But he went to heaven. He believed in the Lord. And he did more than most Baptists do. He acknowledged on that cross what he was. What I like to do is to get people to get out of this bye-bye gospel feeling and face reality of what the scripture says. You know, in Hebrews 11 and verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What does that verse teach about being down here on the earth? Do you believe that the disciples of Christ, when they were walking on the earth with Jesus Christ and, and serving him, you ever study the life of Paul, how he was mistreated, how he was beaten, how he was put in jail? For what? Because of what he believed. And so, you know, we uh, sort of hesitate, you know, telling certain people what we believe because of how they will treat us. You treat me all you want to, bad, good, or indifferent, 
but it's my responsibility, it is my desire to put Christ first. When people ask me, you know, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. So you were baptized. Yeah, I was baptized. Had nothing to do with my salvation. Why would you baptize? To be obedient. But there's no saving power in baptism. No saving power in church membership. There's no saving power except through the blood of Jesus Christ. But when you've been washed in the blood, you're no longer the same. Now, in trusting people, as we just read Hebrews 11, 13, in death, it is said that these people died in faith. A literal translation indicates that the people died according to faith. And you and I will die according to faith. It may, the heart attack may take me out. Old age may take me out. But I will die according to my faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'll die in that promise. That's why I can boldly say, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And some of the traditions, you know, I'm not sorry at all that, uh, that I had the funeral service for my wife. I'm not sorry at all that I put a tombstone, but, you know, it's, it's all money and prestige, but she's not there. She's never been there. But we do that to show our respect and our love and our concern. In life, these people who are able to trust God in death are those who have learned to trust him in life. If you haven't heard anything else, listen to that statement. Listen to that statement. See, trusting people are, you know, consecrated people. It's in death, you know, but in life. The people who are able to trust God in death are those who have learned to trust him in life. In other words, this, you know, after a person is dead, if anybody's saved, that person is saved. I just hate that statement so much. You know why? Because they're basing on how they feel about that person, a good person. A good person. But you don't get the glory by being good. You get to heaven by being covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. And being covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, the off brand of that is that we will be a person that loves life, that loves the Lord, that loves his church, and loves his family to know that the most important thing I can give my kids is to make sure they have heard the gospel. Can't save them. But I, that should be my 
desire as to be your desire. Second desire, that they will see Christ in me. So Abraham was content to spend life on the road if that was God's will. When his wife Sarah died, Abraham had to bargain for a plot of ground in which to bear her. Here's a man of God that has gave his life for the Lord. And he had to almost beg for such a plot of land to bear his wife. The world has very little respect for you while you're living and they have none after you're gone. So in our life, the supreme test of Abraham is seen in God's command to offer up Isaac. Notice here in Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was cried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In Isaac thy seed will be called. And then verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. A mighty, I mean, you, you just read this 11th chapter of Hebrew and you study this 11th chapter of Hebrew. Just read it. I mean, you know, I, I, I use my sister door would, would sometimes come to me and said, you know, I think I need an outline, you know, on certain things of my, my faith. And when she said, Faith, my brain went strictly, Hebrews chapter 11. You know, see, there's some chapters, there's some verses that I don't want to forget. I don't want to leave my mind. I may not be able to quote it as some men can, but I know what the 11th chapter of Hebrews is about. And it encourages you. It encourages you so much, see. Should Isaac be put to death, God would not be able to carry out his promise that Abraham's seed, you know, would be the numerous as the grain of sand on the earth. Yet God asked Abraham to sacrifice. Asked him to sacrifice Isaac. Pagans often sacrifice their children. And God seemed to be asking Abraham if his devotion was as great as that offered by pagans to their false gods. And I tell you what, what God wants. God wants us to offer ourselves, not to commit suicide or not to kill ourselves or, or put ourselves in danger, but God wants me, when I offer myself to God, 
It is in service. It is in service. I read after William Barclay as one of my commentaries, and in his writings he said the letter to the Hebrews, uh, you know, as Abraham was willing to take the life of his own son, believing that God would raise him up from the dead and thus continue his promise. That's trust. See, in the Old Testament, why we should read it, in, you know, most people say, I don't, nothing in the Old Testament. That's all the New Testament is. It's at least a third, if not half, of what the Old Testament teaches. So we get the details. We get the picture part. And these men, God had already promised they would do this, they would do that. So when it came up, will you offer your son? It took faith because they knew what God said that something would happen through Isaac or something would happen through John the Baptist. What about us? I believe everybody that is saved got somebody else's responsibility is to tell them about the Lord. Since I don't know who God has picked me out, so I just try to tell everybody to, to listen. You know, but God saved me and keeping me here on earth for a purpose. You know, and that's why it disturbs me personally when you know, I'm not important. If you wasn't important, God would take you on out of here. You are important. Now, you may not be important in a worldly sense. You know, and I'm not feeling sorry for myself at all. You know, Protestants could care less if I die. A lot of Baptists would rejoice if I die. But it doesn't bother me because I was born on time and I'm going to die on time. But you've got to realize that while you're here on earth, your one goal is to please the Lord. So in Hebrews 11, 14 through 16, we discuss loyal people, people that are loyal. Abraham had ample opportunity to return to his own country and to go back on his commitment to God. Look at verse 14 and 15. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know, I believe this, and not everybody does, and that's, that's fine. You know, uh, if I wasn't in the pulpit, I, I would probably say, you know, They'd be wrong if they want to, but since I'm in the pulpit, I won't say that. But, you know, God has a purpose for us. God has a reason for us and a desire for a heavenly home. You know, 
I desire, my desire is, is when I leave this world that that prepared place is ready for me. It's a chapter in John that is beautiful, declaring, you know, that uh, my goal is to leave here and to be with the Lord forever. Verse 16 of Hebrews 11 said, But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Think about this verse. But now they desire a better country. You know, and when you sit around the table drinking coffee and shouting, you know, and the Bible comes up and you say, well, you know, uh, I look forward to that day when I will be with the Lord. And if you're not careful, somebody will say, are you thinking about suicide? No. I'm not going to make that many people happy. And, you know, we want to live as long as we can live. But one day, we're going to that city. We're going to that city. And that's exactly what God tells us here, you know, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country in verse 14. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came, they might have had opportunity to have returned. So, we need to refuse to be traitors. Scripture tells us in verse 15, and truly, if they had been mindful, if are we mindful that one day we're going to leave this earth? I don't want to die, you know, but I'm prepared to die. That's the key. Are we prepared to die? And as we close, it is easy to live in unfaithfulness thinking that we will make things right with God before the end comes. And you'd be surprised how many people in my ministry have told me that. Right before I die, preacher, I'm going to make things right. So you're telling me you know when you're going to die? Are you planning suicide at a certain time? See, it's all silliness. You were born right on time, and you'll die right on time. It was the mother's responsibility to try to do everything a mother is supposed to do so that baby would be born healthy. It's God's responsibility to see that if my children are elect, that they hear the gospel. It's not complicated. It's very simple. Father, we thank you for this day.